Welcome everybody to the Cannabis Review. I am delighted to be joined on this episode by Dan Uloa, who's the editor of Heady, New Jersey, and he is here to talk to us all things about New Jersey. Dan, how are you keeping? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. All is going well over here. You guys are talking the town at the moment. Can you maybe give everybody an overview of how you got into the cannabis industry and how you're the editor of uh, Heady NJ? Yeah, so I uh, got into this, you know, a few reasons, you know, it was something big uh, that like our governor, Phil Murphy, said uh, when he was running for office, uh, he supported, uh, you know, seemed like a great industry to get into on the ground floor uh, and something that was um, very political. You know, I've been involved in politics for a long time and you know, I've been a journalist covering politics, so covering cannabis politics in the industry seemed like a great fit. It's been okay, quite a ride since. Yeah. Yeah, it's been some journey for you so far. Yeah. Excellent. So you already have experience in the kind of overview of a political system and how a process of regulation would have already happened and you're applying those skills to the cannabis industry in New Jersey. How long ago is Hedy NJ set up? Uh, can you tell the audience? Yes, my uh, business partner uh, likes to be called DK Nuck. He set it up in uh, 2017 when it looked like Governor Murphy uh was going to win the election and that like he promised that the um the cannabis would be done quickly unfortunately it was not done quickly the process was a little longer uh than we liked but you know we're still moving forward uh, and it's going uh, really well you know we had our uh, adult use regulations were announced and you know we're having the process for you know, companies to start applying for licenses for that soon Okay, amazing. So that's kind of leads me on to the first topic I want to talk about. It's just an overview of the New Jersey situation. So everybody kind of has a clearest perspective over here in Europe. I'm sure everybody in America knows. But can you maybe give uh, how far away are you guys from selling products in the stores? Or are there a full range of products already available? I saw something about there being a ban on baked goods and uh, candy edibles. Is that being enforced or part of the regulation? Yes, yes. So that's that's one of the most difficult things about like our regulations is that while they were really good towards like being conducive to uh, small businesses opening and people who had been really harmed by the war on drugs, you know, uh, securing a cannabis license, one thing is they're not going to allow baked goods. They're not going to allow a lot of the chocolates, a lot of the uh, gummies that uh, people really like in uh, the underground market. Quite unfortunately. But, you know, their interim regulations, they might be changed within a year, so we'll see about that. But we do have our medical cannabis dispensaries uh, that sell, like, they do have flour, at least, so, uh, I mean, a few concentrates and lozenges. Uh, so though that, uh, we're looking at sometime next year, in the first half of the year, either winter or spring, we're looking for the uh, official start of the AW sales to begin. Okay, amazing. And is it a, is it a, a free for all for brands who are selling flour now in New Jersey? Is it the people who get in, get the best locations, the best uh, retail stores set up, or uh, how what how exactly would the flour be dispensed? Is it going through a medical facility or is it going through uh, a dispensary? Yeah, so we have like our medical dispensaries. Uh, most many of them are going to be allowed to uh, sell adult use cannabis, so they'll be the ones. Uh, dispensing the cannabis. And then, you know, we're going to have uh, a license application process for more dispensaries, exclusively adult use. So that's like a, that that process, those dispensaries might take a year or two to open at least while like our medical dispensaries can start selling next year. 
Okay, so it seems to be the slowly, slowly method. So uh, yeah. they don't burn themselves too badly just in case anything did go wrong, whereas nothing's obviously going to go wrong. We know this. Can you maybe, as a political writer and somebody who has an overview from a political background, explain Cannabis Control Board in New Jersey and around America? What is the criteria made up of for these boards to be created? Is it uh, civil servants who've been working in government a long time mixed with business folk or what exactly is the criteria for New Jersey's Cannabis Control Board? So that's a really good question. So we have ours is the, is the Cannabis Regulatory Commission. In New York, it's the Cannabis Control Boards, but they're very similar, uh, I would say. So in New Jersey, it's really people who have been involved in the policy and the politics of this. And uh, they're, all, they're all political appointees, for example. So it's really... Um, a partisan process in that respect. But then like a lot of the people who have done who who were appointed to our board, we have five people in New Jersey. You know, they have like a lot of great experience in the policy of this. But people have like criticized it saying that, you know, there's nobody in the industry on the on the board. But then there's nobody with who could be influenced that way too. Okay. So it's a it's a it, there's a double edged sword there that having industry people generally does help uh, make the, the the legislation and the overview of the industry that little bit clearer for the people writing the rules. But at the same time, they don't have a vested interest when there's nobody in there who doesn't have a, a toe in the industry per se. Yeah, yeah, so that's really the catch. So, so far, like our CRC has done a good job. It's just, as you were saying, you know, slowly but surely we're getting there. So one just has to understand that pace right now. And do you guys have a limited amount of licenses or is it a, a, an open market system that there is a, there is no cap on the amount of applications that can come in? There's just a certain criter, uh, uh, level that businesses will have to be set up by. I'm sure you just don't get handed a license. You'll have to prove the premises exists, capital in the bank accounts, board of directors have to be vetted and uh, all that pertinent information. Yeah, so that, that's a really good question because we've been having like a problem with like our medical uh, cannabis, uh, cannabis, whereby we only have 23 license uh, dispensary locations, but we only have 12 license holders for medical cannabis. And that process has been very elaborate with needs of like great amounts of capital. So we're really looking for towards like adult use where there's only one official uh, cap, 37 large scale uh, cultivators. Uh, will be the max, um, but that even that is like a two-year thing that ends February 2023. So otherwise, there are no caps, uh, and there's no caps on micro uh, cultivation either. So that's that's one of the things that's really heartening uh, that makes me like excited about our adult use market. Yeah, yeah, I think the adult use market is where everybody has the real excitement in. Can you maybe give us? Um... How long does the process for a license take currently at the moment? Or do you see a lot of the brands waiting for the recreational licenses to come up? Or are they already available for businesses to apply for? No, no. So the, the interim regulations were released in August. Uh, the um, nobody the, the request for applications RFA process has not yet begun. Uh, but it is like a really good question, like what the process is going to look like, because like our medical cannabis license process has been very difficult, that it was very expensive, that so few p companies have been licensed. So this is really trying to change the whole process and create like a new process that's a lot easier. But it's one of those things we're still seeing, like how it's going to play out. 
And in terms of taxation, has that been set? Has there been a kickback from the industry so far? Have they set a ridiculous taxation level to uh, products and to the industry, or has they been reasonable and, and sensible? Yeah, you know, we're actually reasonable in that fashion. I think a lot of people were looking at California and saw that they have what yeah. some say like you know, like an oppressive tax that makes it that their gray market in California is insanely thriving because the tax is so terrible. So we have a competitive tax. We're actually better than New York in that way. So I'm excited for that, actually. So we'll see what happens. Okay. And do you see, the kind of brings me on to the last topic now, the players in New Jersey. Do you see the players in New Jersey being the cookies, the, the players that are already kind of already established in the, the certain other states that have legalization? Or do you see uh, entrepreneurs in New Jersey, New York, that could take the Eastern seaboard by storm? Yeah, I think we really here in New Jersey want like our locals to receive the licenses. We really want to create local uh, companies. You know, there's a lot of them here that have uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurs here, a lot of people with a lot of like zest to like create a company, get that going. And, you know, we have in our um, regulations that micro licenses are favored. Those in like neighborhoods that were really impacted by the war on drugs are going to uh, be favored in getting a license. And we're looking to really see like companies like that. You know, we know we already have, you know, of our 12 license holders, 10 of them are already multi-state operators, MSOs. So like, I guess like a few, the few remaining ones might be able to get one in, but the ideal is really, you know, to favor small businesses, you know, the small manufacturers that make like the Giardelli's chocolate for example, of cannabis, something like the high end or the niche product like that. Where's the PBR? The PBR of cannabis too, you know, something like niche, kind of like quirky that way. You know, we're looking for products like that. And that's what people are really excited about. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. I think there's definitely going to be a territorial aspect about this where everybody's going to want to have their own brand or their own unique product that's reflective of their demographic and their exact territory that you might love Coca-Cola, but you'd always buy a local farmer's cola if you bought it at the market type thing. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be like really interesting to see. And then like there's restrictions around brands because then like if you're going to be selling cannabis, you can't really have a mascot. So companies are going to have to like really be creative I think in the way they brand themselves and differentiate themselves. Because arguably, like I haven't really seen a lot of differentiation, a lot of like interesting brands in our market so far. And I think that's one of the things about cannabis in general is that like a lot of these brands are not that memorable. I'd say like cookies is up there, but like who else? But this is the thing. We think that uh there's certain territories i think ireland is definitely going to be one of them once legalization fully comes here and we've got to grow at home laws and they we've got some of the best farmers in the world over here i don't doubt for a minute that there'll be a number of strains and genetics created out of this country and a number of baked goods and uh edible products because if we're renowned for two things it's farming and good food so i can see uh europe definitely coming to the to the global market when it all gets legalized over here Oh, yeah, that would be really interesting. Yeah, like I always hear about Ireland, you know, they say like the Guinness is different because of the water. So it would be interesting to see what like what unique Irish products come out. Yeah, well, that's it. Look what we did with alcohol. You'd never mind what we're going to do with cannabis next. <laughs> well, there I'll you tell go. Tell me this now. For everybody who hasn't checked out the website, it's headynj.com. The link is just down there below. Some great articles, highly recommended, especially if you're in the States. It should be a must read for everybody. If you're in Europe, 
highly recommend checking it out to keep you up to date with what's going on in New Jersey. What are you excited about over the next coming months? Let's say the next 12 to 18 months, what are the big things that you're looking forward to? Is it having a, a, a pre-rolled brought freshly out of the store or is it uh, buying some premium flour that you haven't had a selection from yet? What's the number one thing you're looking forward to? Yeah, so like the like the opening of our adult use market should be interesting, and uh, it'll be interesting to see like what products are available because that's been an issue. Our medical cannabis has also been has not been like really like high quality. It's also been like a little expensive. So we're hoping that like eventually that goes away and seeing like affordable cannabis, seeing like different uh, unique strains and unique uh, flower. Will be like really interesting and seeing like a lot of these like new companies like getting up and running getting licenses will be like really interesting so i'm excited for that you know people say you know we, we new jersey can have the second biggest market in the united states after california because we because unlike california it's really easy to go from like city to city like on the east coast here for example baltimore maryland washington dc philadelphia pittsburgh they're all pretty close three-hour drive for the weekend and their states really on moving cannabis. So as the first mover, you know, we could really have, you know, the uh the advantage there. So there's gonna be a tourism corridor for smoking the best plays on the East Coast within the next few years, is there? Yeah, yeah, that's what we're hoping here. That sounds like a great plan to me, man. I'd be booking my tickets straight away if I knew about that. So we're nearly up at the time here. I can't thank you enough, Dan, for coming on the show. It's been great to chat you. I hope we catch up again in the new year when the adult recreational market is fully up on its legs and up and running, and we can give us an update on how everything's going, Dan. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It was great talking to you, man. You too. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you on the next episode.